your world falls apart, don't forget how to sing. Let's talk about it with Chris Denbeston on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. And as always, we're glad you're here. You always have a place at our table. Uh, if you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Matthew Porter is our executive producer, and he's here. Matthew, you said someone recently compared you to Hemingway. Yeah, they said, <laughs> you're no Hemingway. And what did you say to that? I said, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Our producer, Jinx, is working hard in his little glass booth. As soon as it's pumpkin spice latte season, Jinx immediately finds the closest Starbucks and then drives right past it. Right on past it. (laughs) That on my way to get an Oktoberfest from Sam right? Adams. What's that? <laughs> a political statement, right? Absolutely. Pumpkin okay. Spice is the devil. <laughs> Our video director and one-man IT department, John Myers, is in his tech bunker. Uh, it's now October, so I assume most of the planning is done for John's Christmas light show. <laughs> Probably. He's not here to answer. Well, he's here, but he didn't. He's out talk. hanging the lights up. He's got a light show that covers his house, and his neighbors want to kill him. But the Muslim neighbor who lives across the street thinks it's wonderful. And so John thinks as long as that's true, uh, he's uh, safe. <laughs> Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. George says you can tell it's fall in Florida by the leaves because by October, the last tourist here leaves. (laughs) That's so bad, Matthew. (laughs) And then Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program. Kathy is convinced Matthew is saving the funny intros for our upcoming live show. That's going to be in October, and I think most of you have gotten a card on that date. And we sure do hope you're able to show for that. We've never done that before. That's the card. If you don't have it, let us know. We'll make sure you get one. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to be a launch for one of the great books of Christendom. That would be my book. And if you believe that, you believe anything. Oh, good. We're serving lunch. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Uh, We got a great guest today, Chris Denbeston. Uh, Chris has been on with us before, and we talk mostly about business and Jesus. And and we're glad he came back. Some refuse, (laughs) but he's a brave man and decided to do this anyway. In our last program with Chris, uh, he told us a story about his daughter, uh, Gracelyn. And 
and how horrible it was. And he never told us what happened at the end. And so we've been sitting here, wonder if she's dead or alive all these weeks. And so we invited him back to tell us. Chris is a husband, father, author. He serves as CEO for Vermeer Southeast Sales and Service, a construction equipment business. Chris has written three books and arguably the most personal of those is the one we're discussing today. And it's titled Grayson's Song, A Journey from Facing Crisis to Finding Hope. Chris, thanks for very much for being with us again. Hey, it's great to be back. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you guys cared enough to find out whether she lived. Uh. Listen, uh, that is kind of funny. You know, I didn't realize it until you mentioned it, that we kind of left it hanging in that last program. Uh, And we didn't talk a lot about the story, but some. But this time, I wish you would share that time with us and that story. It's quite moving and it's quite scary. Yeah, it was. Um, It's that crucible of faith um, that you end up with. You know, I mean, hope you hopefully you don't end up with a lot of those, but um, you know, it, it ends up being that that time in your life where you knew you had to give it all over to the Lord and, and trust Him. So, um, big moment in in our family's life. Uh, it was 2008, and um, you know, really busy at the time running the business. Uh, had three kids, nine, eleven, and seven. Uh, so a lot, of, lot going on and it was actually Christmas time, 2008. And actually Grayson was supposed to sing at first Baptist Orlando on uh, Christmas Eve for their, um, their service that they do there with the candlelight. And she was really looking forward to that. Uh, however, you know, like a, a week or so prior, she was pretty sick. So Robin took her to the, uh, my wife, Robin took her to uh, the doctor and they go, Oh, she's just got what everybody has a little, little cold. And they gave her a breathing treatment and, um, sent her home. But by Christmas Eve, the morning of Christmas Eve, um, she couldn't hardly even get out of bed. She was, she was feeling so poorly. Um, in fact, her hands had gotten frozen. Uh, I, I could feel her hands and, and they were just really cold. So, um, Robin took her back to the pediatrician. And before I knew it, they were, uh, she was calling me from an ambulance and saying, you've got to get over to Arnold Palmer hospital because uh, the doctor immediately sent her, sent her there. And I don't know what's going on. So that's where we're headed. Can you meet us there? Um, and that's where on Christmas Eve, we, we, we got some really terrible news. Um, a virus had attacked her heart and that's a condition called viral myocarditis. And uh, they shared with us that one third of the people that uh, that happens to, if it's not too bad, they can, you know, recover from it. One third will need a heart transplant and one third will die. So, you know, pretty shocking. You have a normally completely her whole life, healthy young lady at nine years old to hear that prognosis on, on a Christmas Eve. And, you know, actually here, one of her first questions was, am I going to get to sing today? Um, you know, at church, cause she was really looking forward to that. And, um, as the day went on, she continually went downhill. Um, you know, we were praying that she'd be in that good one third as, as the doctors gave us, you know, three scenarios. We prayed for the good one third that she'd survive and with complications, but be okay. And, um, 
it was around eight o'clock at night when we realized she wouldn't be in that, that good one third. She was uh, growing delirious, um, saying crazy things and uh, wasn't getting enough oxygen to her brain. And they said, we need to put her on a, a breathing tube. Um, and as they began to do that procedure, the last words I, I heard her say was, I'm going to die. And that's like the worst thing a parent can possibly hear their, their child say. And, and Robin was there and a mom just wants to hug her baby and say, it's going to be okay. But she couldn't do that. And, and a dad, especially a type A that tries to make things happen. I was saying, they're going, I have to do something for my daughter. She's literally dying in front of me, but uh, there was absolutely nothing um, that we could do in that moment. So they asked us to leave the room and um, put her on a breathing tube. They actually came back and said, you need to go home, you know, Get, get a little sleep if you can, come back in the morning. So we did that, came back on Christmas Eve morning. And um, it's now we say that's when we got the greatest Christmas gift of our lives because she was on full life support. She wasn't getting any better. And the doctor pulled us aside and said, there's nothing we can do for your daughter. Um, there's no medicine. There's no procedure. Uh, this machine can keep her alive for a little while, but she's going to have to heal herself. And in that moment of greatest angst that a parent could possibly have is when we got that gift. Um, when the doctor said, there's nothing that we can do. What I heard is only God can do this. And as I was talking to Robin later, we were hugging and crying and praying. And, and I told her that, and she goes, you know what I heard when the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. I heard she's not in the doctor's hands anymore. She's in my hands. And we together realized that if Grayson was not coming back to us, that she was in God's hands, that she was exactly where she belonged, that she was in the hands of the one who created her. And there was just this peace that passes all understanding. It's, you know, it was the Christmas gift beyond all Christmas gifts to, to, to have that peace in that moment. Uh, we'll never forget that, that gift. And, um, we did continue to pray wholeheartedly that, that, that God would bring her back to us, but we knew if he didn't, that it was going to be okay. So a um, few days went by. She wasn't getting any better. Um, they brought us in and they said, you know, there's a, a doctor at the University of Florida that's, that's done some experimental procedures. Um, and, and there's a device called the Berlin Heart and we think you'd be a candidate for that. It's not approved by the FDA, but we think you'd be a candidate of it. So we prayed about that. And that became our next journey of faith was to allow her to become a medical experiment. Chris, hold it right there. You don't want to miss the rest of this story. Uh, uh, it's uh, from the book, and you ought to get this book. It's not just the story. There's profound biblical wisdom that comes from it when you're facing your own uh, difficult time. Um, it's called Grayson's Song. It's written by Chris and Beston. Don't go away. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. 
At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. so glad that you're with us. We're talking to Chris Denbeston, and um, his book is titled Grace and Song, A Journey from Facing Crisis to Finding Hope. Unless you live in another universe, you're going to face a crisis, and multiple ones over a lifetime. And uh, most of the time, it just brings confusion and darkness and tears and fear. But if you're a believer, you don't have to do all that. There's a road to follow. And Chris is telling us the story. And then when we finish the story, which has a good ending, sometimes crisis don't, uh, we're going to look at some of the wisdom, biblical wisdom, that comes from this kind of crisis. Okay, Chris, she's in a hospital. She's not doing good. The doctor says he can't do anything. And then you were given a Christmas gift. You can start there. Yeah, the um, uh, Christmas gift being that piece that passes on her standing to know that she was going to be okay, even if she didn't come back to us. Uh, But they sent us... Uh, they put her on full life support in a helicopter and uh, flew her to the University of Florida at Shands Hospital to become a medical experiment on a machine called a Berlin heart, a machine that could keep her alive while she waited for a heart transplant. Um, however, there was a lot of recovery that needed to happen to her because she'd been in a coma for a number of days and all her vitals organs had, had basically shut down. And we just began to pray, you know, continuously for, for a miracle. Um, one of the things they told us is that, uh, she may not, uh, walk again. Uh, she may not, uh, even speak again because a blood clot had broke free and gone to her brain and they were feared she had suffered a stroke and that she wouldn't even be able to have a heart transplant if that were the case. So we just prayed for the simplest of things like let her move her leg, let her speak again, Lord, let her you know, those, those type of things. And if you recall the last words I heard her say, um, was I'm going to die. And, um, the next words that I heard her say after she recovered from the surgery that putting that Berlin heart machine, putting her on that was, was miraculous in itself. Uh, and, and she began to heal, uh, from it and began to come out of her coma and, and moved her left side and then tried to speak. And, and, and it just apparent that the Lord was all over this process. But the words she said that I'll never forget was in a very weak voice. She just looked at me and said, daddy, I love you oh, from, man. I'm, from, I'm going to die to daddy. I love you. 
Um, and it, and again, we just, we just knew that this was all God, um, you know, and we just continued to follow him step by step. I'd like to say it got easy from there, but it didn't. Every day was a spiritual, emotional, physical battle. Um, you know, imagine a nine-year-old girl wakes up in a hospital, hooked up to a machine, doesn't know if she'll ever get out of the hospital, doesn't really fully understand everything that's going on, um, is recovering from just, you know, the machines allowing her body to, to, to heal. Um, but knowing she needs a, a heart transplant, it was a, it was a journey, um, beyond any other. And, um, some really good things happened. Um, for one, I had once prayed that nothing bad would ever happen to our kids because I was worried if my wife, Robin would be able to handle it. Um, you know, I figured I'm a, I could handle about anything, you know, but I think it'd be so hard on her, but let me tell you something. Her faith was so incredible and encouraging. And, um, she would walk through the intensive care unit of the hospital singing praise songs Mm. and and everybody knew it was her daughter on the experimental machine. It was her daughter that needed the heart transplant It was her daughter that, you know, if anybody should be walking around singing praise songs, it wouldn't be her. Um, but it was so incredible. She was such a light and shared Jesus with parents, you know, in a, in a place like that, it's just such a sad place. Uh, kids are in there dying or they're near death. And, um, just, just her ability to, to share Jesus in, in that situation was, was incredible. Um, over time, you know, it was just a waiting process. Uh, the worst thing was the waiting. Grayson would say, you know, when am I going to get out of here? And and we couldn't give her an answer. Um, you know, it, it was one of the, the very toughest things. Uh, we continually used Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a plan for you. He, he not to, he has a plan to prosper you, you know, not to harm you, but to give you hope in a future. Uh, that became our, our pillar verse of, you know, we're just going to sit here. We can't tell you when, but we're trusting God to work his plan. And, uh, um, it was actually April 15, uh, which business people know is tax day. Um, I never look at it as that anymore. They, they called and said, we think we may have found a heart for your daughter. And, um, a day like that is, is, is hard to describe. Um, it's so many emotions, so many things going through your, your, your mind. We went to, uh, the hospital, we actually brought our whole family up. Um, and as they were beginning to prepare her to go in for the surgery, they had to tell you, you know, all the things that could go wrong, including it may not work. You may die on the operating table, all, all those things that can happen. And, you know, I, I prayed the dad prayer, make sure everything goes perfect, Lord, and help the doctors be perfect, have the heart to be perfect. And we're supposed to make our requests known to the Lord. And, and believe me, I did it uh, with everything I had. But it so contrasts what she prayed that day, knowing she was the one that was going to have a new heart put in her chest, her original heart cut out. She said, dear God, thank you that you may have sent me a heart and I pray that it would heal me. But I want you to know, even if it doesn't work out how I want it to, God, I'm still going to trust you. Mm. I mean, how often do we pray like that? I mean, we're pretty good. I think at least me at telling God what we want and praying for that. But to say, if it doesn't work out the way I want it to, I'll still trust you. That's, that's the faith of a child. That's the faith that can move mountains. You know, that's the kind of faith he uses to, to move our mountains for us. And, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm glad to say that the heart transplant did go well. Um, she was nine at the time. She got the heart of a 15 year old boy who had died. We don't know how or who or any of that stuff. Uh, just, but his family gave the amazing gift of life to letting his heart go to someone. And it went to my little girl. Um, by May one, she, she came home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. So just a couple weeks after getting a new heart, um, uh, she's back home and we had Christmas on May one that year. Uh, cause it was Christmas Eve that she'd gone into the hospital and the presents were still under the tree. And, um, you know, it was, uh, an unforgettable experience an unforgettable, um, celebration to, uh, to do that. Uh, no, still shows me a wonderful up. story. <laughs> um, but this kind of story isn't just a story. It's a story for us to think about, to contemplate and say, was God in this? And if he was, how was he in it? And if my daughter had died, would God still be in it? There's hope. There's some good stuff on the other side of the break. The name of the book is Grayson Song, and it's by Chris and Grayson Denbeston. And uh, guys, don't, don't go anywhere. Like Jesus, we're going to return. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? And Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know. A gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. so glad you're with us. If you've been with us the last two segments, you've heard an amazing story uh, about Chris and Robin's daughter and um, the heart transplant that she finally got. And and now she knows how to sing and she sings for Jesus. By the way, one of the things that Chris said was during this crisis, they had scripture and prayers. And there's a little book that you can get. It's called Crisis Survival Guide. And you can get it free if you go, If and especially you'll want it if you're going through your own personal crisis. It's shinevision.com. Shinevision.com. And it will be just... Um, 
a nice little handbook to keep by your bedside uh, when it gets really dark and it gets really hard. Uh, Chris, thanks first of all for, for taking all of these experiences and then taking the next step of putting it into a book that can bless other people. Um, I was moved um, throughout reading it. Uh, I have kids. I have a nine-year-old girl. It's impossible to not identify with what you guys are going through and, and ask yourself what you would do if you were in that spot. Um, I wonder if you would speak a little bit to that book writing process and what it was like to revisit those incidents. When was it, you know, how, how far from, you know, 2009 was that written and just kind of what was that experience like of putting all of this into print? Sure. Well, we, we kind of took the top 10 things we felt like we learned in that crisis and um, each one was a chapter and I would write my experience of it. And then at the end, Grayson would, would add the, the perspective of the one who went through it, but at that time, a nine-year-old um, and that everybody says, that's the best part of the book. I, you know, should have just done that. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, a uh, it, it was great because, you know, when something like this happens, you know, it's our, our, our role to share it with others. And, you know, the idea that, you know, we've been through this crisis, hopefully we can help the next person that, that goes through a crisis and it may not be a heart transplant. It may be financial. It may be, but we're all facing these crises and the answer is the same every time it's trust God, no matter what, you know, like she said in her prayer, even if it doesn't work out how I want it to, I'm still going to trust you. That's what you need to make it through any crisis. And don't, don't, um, don't draw the wrong lesson from what Chris has told in this story, that if you're religious and you use certain verses and you pray certain prayers, then your crisis will turn out the way you want it to. Correct. Uh, if you miss the first two segments, Chris made very clear that, and not only did he make it clear, but his daughter said it. If she had not pulled through, had not get, gotten a heart, uh, had died, God is still faithful. And he's still good all the time. Amen. Um, Chris, that was um, when she was nine. And Grayson is how old now? Oh, man, she's 22. Yeah, um, wow. <laughs> in fact, like, you got to hear wow. this. June 5 of last year, she got married. Um, yeah, that's a tragedy. We, that's we, not we a happy thing. They're all gorillas. <laughs> she got a new heart, then she gave it to some boy. She, she, yeah, yeah. That, here's the deal. Literally, we had prayed that she'd have a wedding day when we didn't know if she'd have another day. So that was an amazing answer to prayer. But she asked me to officiate her wedding. So not mm-hmm. only did I have to give her away, I had to officiate oh. her her wedding. Oh. But but what a blessing! It was just it was one of the greatest days of, of my life for sure. <laughs> um, Chris, I wanted to ask you, and you might have, you, you might be able to answer the whole thing or coming up on a break fairly soon, but you might have to go to the other side of the break. But um, in, in something as, uh, as difficult as this, just from a physical standpoint, I mean, you're t- taking out of, of a body. I mean, the thing that makes somebody stay alive and you're mm-hmm. replacing that. And obviously there are anti-rejection meds and all kinds of stuff and everything. Has she done, um, has she had any kind of issues throughout? Is she just as, 
as healthy as possible? Does she have any kind of restrictions or whatever that she's had to, you know, learn to adjust to in order to be able to do, you know, uh, you know, life the way you do it. I mean, she's married now, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure she's, you know, talking about a family at some point in the future and all of that. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's huge. Yeah. She, she's on, um, on prescription drugs for the rest of her life. Um, the anti-rejection drugs, obviously they, she has to take those so that her body doesn't attack that heart that is in essence foreign to it. Um, so, uh, and along with that, there's, there's, there's some, some different things that offset, you know, to keep the blood pressure, right. These kind of things. So it's an ongoing medical, um, uh, process. She goes in every year and they check her out and, um, she has been blessed in that she's been extremely healthy. Um, it was really good that she was healthy before this happened because it helped her with her recovery. But, uh, yeah, it is an ongoing everyday thing to, to stay healthy. Yes. Oh man, you're something else. So is Robin. And so is your daughter as a totally out of the box comment. If she ever wants to identify as a guy, She's one step ahead of all of that. <laughs> Guys, the name of the book is Grayson's Song, A Journey from Facing Crisis to Finding Hope. It is a wonderful book, and it's a true book, and it's an inspiring one. You need to read it. irritated when the electricity went out. No television, no music, no Netflix. Then he discovered that the battery on his smartphone was dead. He decided to make some coffee, but when he went to the kitchen, he realized that without electricity, he couldn't even do that. Then he noticed his wife in the kitchen, and he sat down and talked to her. He said later, you know, She seemed like a very nice lady. I know, I know, technology's good, but sometimes go talk to somebody face-to-face. You might be surprised how nice and real they are. It's messy sometimes, but Jesus would like it. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. This has been just great. Uh, um, by the way, our live event is almost here. It's on October the 17th. For the first time ever, we're going to record this show in front of a live audience right here in Central Florida. So we want you to come out and say hi. We'll give you a cup of coffee and a pastry or a piece of cake or something, and we'll give it to you free. And you can get some information by going to keylife.org book launch uh, slash book launch for details. We're talking to uh, Chris Denbeston, and his book is Grayson's Song. And if you've been with us, you've heard an amazing story. 
George. Um, Chris, there, there are so many helpful points and a lot of them seem like they, they lead to the, one of the points of living life prepared. Um, maybe you could summarize some of those points and, and kind of lead into, I mean, being prepared includes listening to stories like yours. Um, but also there were some real, um, points of focus that, that you guys came up with that were important in, in being ready to face a crisis like this unexpectedly. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, like back to Grayson's prayer where she said, you know, I'm going to trust you no matter what, you know, she didn't find her faith at that moment. Um, you know, she relied on her faith at that moment, but as a nine-year-old, you know, she had learned a lot of, about the Lord and about scripture and had prayed and, you know, um, when that crisis came along, she wasn't searching for what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? She just relied on, on the faith journey that, uh, that she'd been on. And, and that would be, you know, the, the same, I would say for us, for, for Robin and I, and our family is, um, it was when our faith really became real, you know, but we were prepared um, because we had, we had done study and prayer life and, you know, we were, we were followers of Christ and we just relied on, on what his word told us. Um, and you know, that, that's really more so what I mean by, by living life prepared is, mm-hmm. you know, you may think you're in this Bible study for one thing, but you're really being prepared for, for something that you may not even know is coming. And and when you reach that and you can rely on him and you can rely on the words that he said, and you can rely on scripture and prayer and, and the prayer of, of your, your, your fellow believers uh, to carry you through things like this, you know, it, it, it never happens. Crisis happens in an instant, but your faith is a long journey. And um, it, it's, it's just uh, uh, looking back, just, it was an amazing time of realizing that God, had prepared us for, for whatever we face. And that's not just for us. That's for anyone listening. Here's I wonder if you'd speak to two different groups. One, if for somebody who is maybe just recently facing their crisis, obviously you would say what's in the book, but if you were to put one thing in their hands today, and then I wonder if you'd also speak to a second group and that's people who've already gone through their crisis and maybe they did not get the happy ending that they had been praying for. What do you say to both of those groups? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so let, let me go with the second one. Um, we actually had some great friends that lost their child in the midst of our crisis. Um, you know, our situation turned out where our daughter was saved here on earth. But the, in reality, even though the ending wasn't the same, they know that their, their baby boy is in Jesus hands and and they know that they'll see their baby boy again one day. Um, you never want to compare faith, (laughs) but their faith is just so inspiring. You know, uh, our, our good news story here is the same as their good news story. They were both healed just in, in, in a different way. Um, and, and, and that's when it's, you know, it may not have turned out the way we wanted it to, but we're still going to trust you, God. And that's, that's what, uh, what faith is all about. Um, 
I, you know, the number one thing is if, if you're in the middle of a crisis, I would say if I could give you one thing of advice and you're right in the middle of it and it happens to all of us, we want to find out why, why is this happening to me? You know, believe me, I'm asking that question. Why would the purest heart I know be attacked? Why is my daughter about to die? Why? You know, um, we want to do that. But the most important thing we've learned in all this process is and when, when we want to ask God, why is this happening? A better thing to do is ask God, what are you doing? What should I be praying for? What are you teaching me in this moment? Um, because it takes our, when we're asking why, we're all focused on ourselves and our crisis. But when we're asking what, we're turning to God and asking him what we should do next and asking him what he's working on and, and putting our, our faith in him, which takes us from worry, which is what we're doing when we're asking why, because it's all about worried about what's going to happen. And when we focus on him, that's the truest form of worship. You know, I hate to keep banging the drum, but it's such a poignant example of even if it doesn't work out the way I trust, I want it to, I'm still going to trust you. Taking our problem away from us and putting it in his hands and saying, instead of asking you why I'm going to ask you what I should be doing. And instead of worrying, I'm going to worship you right now in the midst of this. Hmm. Cause that's the one place we can go where we can get a result, you know, worry and why doesn't get us anywhere, but what should I be praying? What are you doing? And I want to worship you in the midst of this is what it takes to make it through. You know, I think I'd get there, Chris, but it'd take me longer than it took you. And, uh, and I'm sure you agree with this, that uh, our honesty about worry and asking why and the pain, uh, the loss, even the anger is accepted by a very big God who understands that we are dust and sometimes are broken reeds and sometimes we don't do it right. And I know you agree with that. I suspect you had moments over those long weeks when you were very human and very not Christian. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm telling you about what I learned, not about what I did. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to check on that. I yeah. knew you were going to say something oh, like that. There, there, was, there, was, there was anger. There was, you know, uh, there was guilt. Um, you know, yeah. I'm being punished for the things I've done through my daughter. You know, all the enemy sends you so many thoughts. Um, your, your humanness sends, sends you so many thoughts. The, I have to do something about this. I'm going to take control. I'm going to wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, I had all of that. I, I hope I didn't come across that. I didn't, but no, you didn't <laughs> yeah. at all. And Absolutely. I know you, so I know you don't. I just wanted to say that at the end so I don't feel so guilty. <laughs> Chris, you are a delight. Thank you for being with and And thank you for telling that story. I'm sure that gets old after a while, but you were kind enough to go over the details and to point to Jesus. Amen. And you did that quite well. Thank God you. God bless you, brother. You too. Guys, we're uh, the name of the book, by the way, is Grayson's Song. Uh, uh, Chris and Grayson Ben Beston wrote it. We're going to come back, tell you who we're going to do it unto next week. You will be amazed. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. 
If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Hey, thanks for being with us during this hour. What a great uh, time. You know, I'm a cynical old preacher, and uh, uh, people think I'm kidding when I say that, and I'm not. I really have to struggle sometimes. And and the thing that keeps me going are the people who are on this program because they're the real deal, and I see them every day, and... But there's more than that. Sometimes we all need the story of somebody who is real, um, who really has gone through it, been there and done that, and has his or her nose above the water. And we interview people like that. So you thought we were doing this program for you so we could help you live your Christian life better because you need it. That's not true. We're doing, if none of you listened on the many radio stations, and if nobody subscribed to our YouTube, we'd still do this because we need this too. Uh, we need to tell our stories to each other because sometimes it gets really hard. C.S. Lewis had Aslan, the uh, Lion of Judah, say to a little boy, and I forget that which book and the Chronicles are the name of the kid, but his mother was dying. And he had asked uh, Aslan if he could do something about his mom. And he, then he looked up and noticed there were tears in Aslan's, in the lion's eyes. And then Aslan says, it is very hard sometimes, and we have to be kind to one another. We really do. And a part of that kindness is to say, look, I've been a drunk too. I've lost a child too. I've gone through a divorce too. I've had a broken heart too. And sometimes it hurts so bad. I don't know what to do with it. Let me tell you my story and maybe it will help with yours. Kathy, who's going to be our guest next week? Next week, our friend, Dr. Hugh Ross will be with us. Uh, he's got a new book called Designed to the Core. And my reminder is this is probably the most intelligent human being we ever have on the program. So <laughs> don't come half asleep. 
Make sure you've had a cup of coffee. Make sure your caffeine level or whatever is up, because this is one smart dude. Yeah. Good stuff. But, but he gets the fodder down, so even Well, yeah, it. but not that low. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll expect you. You are expected next week, same time, same place. And between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't. That, of course, gives you a wide, wide berth. Yeah, that's right. It's not a phrase one analyzes.